Welcome to the Doctor and the Dietitian podcast. This is Dr. Brian, board-certified pediatrician. And I'm Heather, registered dietitian nutritionist. Each episode, we dive into pediatric health and nutrition hot topics. Our goal is to help your family cut through the noise of the food and medical world. We want to empower you to have freedom and grace in raising your children to be healthy in all aspects of their life. Hello, and welcome back to the Doctor and the Dietitian podcast. Hey guys, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a hot minute, but we are back and ready to jump in to season two of the podcast. Yeah, we're super excited to be back with you guys, and thanks for being patient with us um, as we took some time away from the podcast, but we're excited to be back, and here we go. Yeah, a lot has been going on, so why don't you give us, at least with you, Brian, one quick update. Ooh, Anything I want? Anything. Well, the Dodgers lost, oh. so that's kind of depressing. But we're, that's what I've been into lately is just sad. watching playoff baseball. Um, but they no, did beat the Giants. Yeah, that's true. Um, on a serious note, just life's just been busy, you know? Um, being a pediatrician in a pandemic is busy. And it's interesting because it wasn't like this last year. Yeah, you it's have changed gotten... a lot in the community that we're in. And, yeah. Um, it seems like this with the starting of school this year is when it really, really picked up in our community. And um, yeah, it's to the point now where we're basically seeing COVID every single day in the office. So yeah, yeah, but it's been busy, but it's good. Yeah, the practice is good. So what have you been up to? Awesome. Well, I decided you might know this um, to homeschool full time. Yeah, and this is round two as well, right? Yes, so it is round two. We did but it homeschool feels, last year, but it's different. It feels a lot different. Yeah, I feel like last year it was a lot of patchwork and just kind of trying to get by during COVID. And now this this year felt like a much more intentional decision, yeah. despite what COVID was doing, because we decided to homeschool before we knew um, COVID was ramping up again. Yeah. So it's good. Yeah, it's been good. It's a life. It's a mindset shift totally. for me, but. I have enjoyed it thus far. Yeah. Ask me in a couple months, it might be different. <laughs> but Every day is okay. a different day, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else? Um, we did some fun stuff this summer, too, that we can catch you all up on. Yeah, we went on a few trips, lots of camping. Mm-hmm. We are um, officially... The big one was Yellowstone and Tetons, which yeah. was our big trip, and that was great. But we're, like, officially camping people. Right. I mean, yeah. I've always kind of been an outdoorsy, campy person. Well, but we haven't really together. <laughs> I know. And with little kids, we kind of got away from it, but mm-hmm. we're back at it now. Yeah. And we have a pop-up tri- camping trailer, which makes it a lot easier and lovely. Yeah. Yeah. It's different I than sleeping that. in the tent on the ground. So Yeah. We grew a garden. Yeah. Our first attempt. It was pretty good, too. We, we had some successes and some yeah. that weren't so great that we yeah. probably won't do again next year, but... We learned a lot. We did. And next year, we might have a small farm (laughs) (laughs) you never know on our spot love it okay well we're gonna just jump into some data today we're gonna talk about the covid vaccine we all know it just recently got approval to be available for kids age ages 5 to 11 so we want to dive in on what the trial showed and what the data is and just give you guys the evidence behind it for what we know so far yeah, and this is a moving target, right? Totally. So at the time we're recording this, the emergency use author- emergency use authorization <laughs> has gone through. Yeah. Um, and it's sitting at the CDC and the ACIP to kind of come up with practice guidelines. But um, we anticipate those within a few days, and um, and then this stuff's going to start rolling out. And so we wanted to get ahead of it, hopefully for families who know that this is an option coming. 
um, and hopefully give you some data on um, risks and benefits and um, maybe how to help you make a decision whether you should get your child 5 to 11 vaccinated. So. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so do you just want to jump right in? Yeah, yeah, let's go for it. Go ahead and let us know, you know, how did it got approved? What does this mean for us? I guess you said we're going to we're going to find out in a couple of days how it's going to be rolled out and when we can get it. We don't know yet. Right. So if you remember back like when the initial COVID vaccines were starting for adults, mm-hmm. it kind of went through this same process where the emergency use authorization came through first and then some of the health agencies started putting together practice guidelines and then it was a matter of like how do we roll this out to a mass scale, right? So But hopefully a um, lot of that like a lot of that's already figured out right. and um uh, you know, like from a political standpoint, like this stuff is being pushed forward with the plan to get this thing going, hopefully by the end of this week into early next week. Um, even though we're not quite there from all of these um, um, guideline creators. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, the plan is that it's hopefully within the next week, it's going to be available um, for families. So, okay. Yeah. So do we know like what the trial included for kids ages 5 to 11. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start because lots of families kind of want to know, well, what's different about it for kids and why did this data take longer and is it safe and is it necessary? So Totally. Um okay, so um again, this is for 5 to 11-year-old kids, right? Um and so you know, the biggest thing here is that it just takes a lot longer to get enough data for younger kids because they're less likely to enroll in a clinical trial than, say, adolescents or adults. Um, And so that was probably one of the biggest hurdles. Um, But in, and so we're talking about the Pfizer vaccine here. So the Pfizer vaccine is the one that's been approved. Um, Their study had um, about 4,600 patients total in the, between the ages of five and 11 enrolled. about 3,100 of those patients got the actual COVID vaccine, and um, a little less than 1,600 got a placebo. Um, and they were followed for a couple months after completing their second dose of the series um, for safety data. Um, just so you know, the dose for 5 to 11 year olds is different than for okay. 12 and up. So it's actually a third of the dose. So the adult and adolescent dose is 30. And for kids 5 to 11, they cut it down to 10. Okay. And, um, and so that was part of the, the probably delay in getting some of this data too, was trying to find that right dose for younger kids. Hmm. Um, so did all of those 3,100 kids who got the vaccine, did they all get the dose of 10 or were they like adjusting it as they went? No, they all got the dose of 10. Okay. And they, bo- they all got two doses okay. uh, three weeks apart. Okay. So similar in regards to two doses, like right, two doses, three weeks apart, same as older kids. But yeah, the dose is uh, a third of what the adolescent or adult dose is. And the interesting thing is they were able to get the same, um, very similar results as far as um, how well the vaccine stimulated the immune system to make protective antibodies. Um, so even though the dose was much less, the immune system responded just as well. Um, okay. so it seems like it's the right dose, which okay. is great. That is good. Um, the vaccine was found to be about 90% effective in this group. And 
um, what they were following for effect was how many cases of COVID actually happened comparing the vaccine group to the placebo group. Okay, so it was um, considered effective if, if you it did prevented, not if you did not get, get COVID, COVID during, during the trial time. The trial time. Right. Okay. Um, and then they basically compared how many COVID cases happens in, in the placebo group versus in the actual treatment group. Sure. Um, and that's a little different than the data that was for um, adults, which was right. more based on protection from hospitalization and death. Right. Um, so a little nuance there. But yeah, 90, 90% effective. Um, as far as side effects go, there were no major side effects reported in the trial. So in those 3,100 patients, um, there was no major side effect. So that means no cases of anaphylaxis, which is like a serious allergy. Okay. There were no cases of myocarditis or pericarditis or cardiac side effects in that okay. 3,100 patients. Um, and there was nothing that required like a hospitalization or a serious medical procedure okay. um, from the vaccine. That's all really good news. Yeah, it's really great news. Um, there were kind of the traditional side effects reported um, that we saw for adolescents and adults. And those are fevers, sore arm where the shot was given, headaches, fatigue, okay. nausea, decreased appetite. Um, interestingly, though, um, the percentage of patients who were reporting these side effects was a lot less in mm. the 5 to 11-year-old range. Okay. So a lot of these side effects were more in the like 20 to 40% of patients, whereas in the adolescent and adult data, it was often like 60 to 90% of patients oh, wow. have these types of side effects. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, so overall, very well-tolerated vaccine. Okay, I have a question. So the study with kids, we know that it contained quite a bit less uh, bodies, right? There's a far fewer amount of kids who got the trial vaccine right. versus adults, like by thousands, right? right? And so can we can we say that it's comparable in the effectiveness and or that it's reliable, because there's so few kids who got it compared to adults. Right. I think it's a good point that, um, you know, we're talking about 3,000 patients instead of 30, 40,000 adults right. that were in the Pfizer adult study. So there's a, you know, a it's tenfold a difference, difference yeah. there, right? It's a lot. So that's definitely something to think about. I think you get a good feeling of statistical um, likelihood of things happening, um, so I think like the efficacy at 90% is probably pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. The side effects are probably reported pretty accurate. So, mm -hmm. um, I know everybody's biggest concern is probably the whole myocarditis, pericarditis, um, side effect, as a side effect. because as they were vaccinating young adults and adolescents, that was something that kind of showed up after the initial trial period. Um, and they found that that was mostly in adolescent and young males, young okay. adult males. Um, but it was not, um, not as often as maybe you would think based on how the news kind of covered it. Okay. So it's hard to estimate these side effects, right? Because, um, so for example, like there's a vaccine adverse reaction, um, database that anybody can report to. So okay. if you got a vaccine and something happened to you, you can go on the website and report it, which okay. is good because we want transparency and we want everybody to be able to report. But sometimes you have to take some of those reports with a grain of, grain salt. of salt, right? <laughs> of like, did the person really understand what was happening to them? Did they seek medical attention to kind of help figure that out? Or did they just kind of report something on their own? So they um, could say without ever going to a doctor, yeah. like I had myocarditis. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So what happened is they started to tease through some of this data from the VAERS reporting system. And 
they came out to an estimate of probably somewhere in the 50 to 70 per 1 million people vaccinated um, ended up having a case of myocarditis or pericarditis within that first three months after completing the vaccine. Okay. Um, which when you think about it is a really small number. That's sure. like point zero 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 like four or five zeros before an actual number shows up okay so it's extremely rare right yeah. 50 per 1 million if you were to compare that to the rate of myocarditis or pericarditis with an actual infection of covid um that's more likely to be somewhere in the 400 to 500 per million range okay quite a bit so more. dramatically more yeah right and that's if you contract covid and are sick with covid the likelihood that you would get one of these cardiac side effects from the disease so we could say the risk is higher just getting covid and totally. contracting myocarditis than yeah. it is from getting um just the vaccine exactly okay that's comforting. Yeah, it's very comforting. And so I think when you start to extrapolate some of this data down to the younger children's group, this 5 to 11 group, it's good to know that out of 3,100 patients who got the vaccine, none of them had this side effect during the trial period. Um, and uh, and maybe some of that's the dose is less. Maybe some of that is just the physiology of a younger child. We're not quite sure yet, but um, I, I think... Definitely the benefits outweigh the risk here. Okay. Yeah. Here's a question I have. A lot of people um, concern is that the, the rate at which children get COVID and have serious complications is really small. So how does that compare? Do we know the numbers of kids getting COVID and having serious complications compared to maybe something more relatable like the flu? Yeah, sure. So, um, so I, yeah, going through the data of COVID since the beginning of the pandemic. So again, we're talking about this specific age group, right? So five to 11 year olds, there's been just shy of 2 million cases in five to 11 year olds in our country. Okay. Um, there's been a little bit more than 8,300 hospitalizations in the five to 11 year old range from COVID. Okay. Um, and depending on which... Um, death rate database you're kind of looking to um, there's some variation in statistics i found but somewhere around 100 to 140 deaths related to covid in the 5 to 11 year old age group okay um so you know that's too much right i think i think most of us who practice in pediatric medicine feel like one's too many right sure. um and so then your question was, well, like, how do you compare that to the, the winters that we've always gone through and right. influenza being a big um, cause of uh, morbidity and mortality for kids? So the numbers are really similar, actually. Mm -hmm. So we kind of went back and looked at um, the most recent years for flu. Um, and over the last 20 years or so, they're anywhere from about 40 to 200 deaths per year from influenza. Um, in that young child age group. Okay. So, so yeah, um, that's really, it falls within a typical influenza year. Yeah, right? I think so. You know, there's a lot of nuances here to try and tease sure. out a little bit, but, um, but I think you could think of it as pretty similar as far as the data goes. We do know that the Delta variant of COVID is definitely more transmissible. Wow, I'm having trouble pronouncing <laughs> transmissible. Um, we got it. <laughs> and is probably a little more likely to have more significant symptoms than sure. some of the previous variants. And so that makes it a little bit difficult too. And we're still trying to gather data as we go, right? Yeah. But I think as a parent, you could think of it 
okay, this is, you know, another serious viral illness that is out there that's very similar to flu. And that's why health practitioners recommend the flu vaccine every single year right. because of this risk. And yeah. so this is probably the same or worse. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's good to know and have a, a something that we can compare it to. Definitely. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Any other data information that you wanted to share? No, I think those are the big numbers. I mean, I mean, you can get really into the weeds with some of this stuff, but I think hopefully that kind of gets at the big picture that like COVID is real. Young children are getting it at a high rate and that's increasing, especially in the last few months. And while young children tend to do well, there is a small percentage of kids who still end up in the hospital and there are kids who are dying from this. Um, And it's very similar to flu, probably even a little bit worse. And there's a vaccine available that we um, feel like is very safe and also very effective. Sure. Yeah. Okay. How about some, we'll jump into some specific questions that we got from um, people on, on the gram. Oh yeah, let's do that. Okay. Is it necessary for kids to get the COVID vaccine if they've already had COVID? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, there, So there, there's some extrapolation of data here, but they've started looking at this question just for um, adolescents and adults too. So what is the likelihood that your body makes good antibodies after uh, a real in COVID infection? Mm-hmm. And then how long do those antibodies last? Right. And then they're trying to compare that to people who got vaccinated and how good of an antibody production did they get and how long did that last? Mm-hmm. And um, there's some data that's coming out now that's showing that um, you're more likely to have more of a robust response and a longer protection period if you do get vaccinated, even mm. after you've had actual COVID. COVID. Okay. And probably the further out from your COVID vac- or from your COVID illness, um, the more helpful the vaccine is. Sure. Um, there's a little, there were, it's interesting, there was a little bit of debate by some of these medical leaders when they were going through the emergency use authorization that was being reported that, um, well, well, what if maybe they only need one dose instead of two? Mm-hmm. Um, and there wasn't consensus there. But so I think some of that maybe will get teased out hopefully soon. But I think all of us agree that even if you've had a COVID illness, you sh- we are still recommending that you go ahead and get the vaccine as well. Okay. Um, to protect so would yourself. It, would it be safe to say that natural immunity um, maybe isn't the best? Um, right. Yeah. Because I think the COVID, there's a better the option, vaccine. which would be adding vaccine immunity on top of your natural immunity okay. to keep you protected. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Mm-hmm. How about kind of related? What if your kids have been exposed and they never developed any COVID symptoms? Yeah, that's Should tricky, they get the right? Vaccine? Because just because you were exposed doesn't necessarily mean you actually were infected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how do you know if you were completely asymptomatic? Sure. So some of that goes back to the definition of exposure again, right? So close contact within six feet of someone for more than 15 minutes. Um, so if it was, you know, somebody in my classroom reportedly had COVID, you know, there's a lot that goes into kind of deciding were you truly exposed or right. were you just like a contact tracing for the school. So, um, but I think if you were asymptomatic and you had not been tested, um, and so you don't really know, um, we would assume that you were never infected. And okay. um, we would definitely recommend vaccination. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about, talk about for a few minutes, um, breastfeeding and the COVID vaccine. Do the antibodies yeah. pass from mom to baby? 
Yeah, so definitely safe and effective for pregnant moms and lactating moms. Um, you know, initially there was kind of concerns about this, but sure. there's tons and tons of data now and multiple big groups recommending this. And yes, that antibody production that is stimulated in mom's body does um, appear to be in breast milk and be protective for a baby. So if you're pregnant or are breastfeeding and obviously your baby's too young to get vaccinated, the best thing you can do is get yourself vaccinated to protect your baby. Awesome. Okay, well, that concludes the questions that we got from the gram. Cool. You guys might have more. If so, feel free to send them our way and we can address them. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way is like if you're listening to this podcast and it makes you think of something, send us a message on our social media, shoot us an email from our website and um, we can try and get back to you. But hopefully this was a good summary of just kind of the basics of it. Um, And obviously, again, this is a moving target, so a lot's going to change in the next few weeks. But but please consider getting your kids vaccinated to protect them and to protect our community um, because we all need this pandemic to go away. Definitely. And as more information rolls out and this progresses, we'll definitely be updating everyone. Maybe we'll do, you know, an update podcast on how the vaccine is going in kids and talk about it more as well. Totally. Cool. Okay, so we're going to dive in. We're going to read a review from someone from the podcast. AlJ1217 said, I have loved these episodes and can't wait for more. I love the research-based information that is provided and the lack of judgment. You can tell that they are real parents who are just trying to help other moms and dads. Thank you so much for that review. That is exactly what we're trying to provide If you enjoy this podcast as well, would you consider also leaving a review? It really helps um, other parents just like you be able to find us out in the podcast land and for us to get into their brains and ear holes, (laughs) right? Yeah, totally. So subscribe so you get all of our new episodes when they come out, but also leave us reviews because the more reviews we get, the further our reach gets. And that's what we really need, right? Is Mm -hmm. people getting the stuff. Yeah. So people can get the same helpful information and so that we can encourage them as well. Um, so season two, this is like the get go of it. Are there big plans for the season? I mean, you know, (laughs) clearly everything we're doing is big, right? (laughs) Everything. And so planned out, you know, in our parenthood, life. Yeah, I guess I would add here, like we do have some thoughts of stuff we're going to be going over on the podcast and it's all geared towards pediatric nutrition and wellness and health. Um, But if you guys have topics you'd like to hear us talk more about, you could send us um, a message and let us know because we're excited to get going on this new season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Message us on Instagram or you can send us an email directly to the doctor and the dietitian at gmail.com. Time for Table Topic Cards. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. We did this last season and we'll continue it at least for now. So these Table Topic Cards are available on our website. They provide over 100 questions for families to use and enjoy specifically during mealtimes as they can take the focus off of who is eating what and allows for family connection. Okay. So we'll read one of the questions and answer them for fun. Let's do it. What is the worst thing you have ever smelled? Oh, wow. Well, the worst thing I smelled today was when our four-year-old farted in my face. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was pretty bad, and she thought it was hilarious. Um, so that's what's on the front of my mind. Okay, uh, good. Worst thing I've ever smelled. Other the than thing that. that popped up to, for me was yeah. when we went to New York City. Uh-huh. 
was like a dream of mine to go to New York, love it, right? And I was kind of disappointed. It was super hot the weekend that we went. Um, it was like Labor Day weekend, and we were walking through Chinatown. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this. No, I don't. And I don't know it was going. rank. Was it just like the sewer system? I under think the it road? was sewer, and like every it was like trash day, so oh, everyone it was, was like trash day. I do remember that, and everything yeah. was out on the we sidewalk. We were out late, and I think they yeah. all the businesses were closing down and had already put trash out on the street to get picked up, and so. Um, Yes, I do remember that, and it was pretty bad. Yeah. Yes. So it kind of, I know, it kind of, that popped into my head, and I was like, oh, poor New York. <laughs> kind of ruined my view of it a little bit. <laughs> wow, this is a weird way to end a podcast. I know, you're welcome. Love it. All right, so stay tuned, subscribe, and we'll catch you guys next time. All right, see you guys. Bye. Bye. Are you stressed about mealtime in your house? Do you feel overwhelmed with knowing what to feed and if your child will eat it? Maybe mealtimes end in battles, or maybe you just have a child that's suddenly becoming picky in what he eats and you don't know what to do. Friend, we feel you. We used to be in the same situation, and we want to let you know that mealtimes and feeding your family doesn't have to stay this way. We want you to join our family feeding coaching. We walk you through six weeks of our signature steps to move you from frustrated to feeding with freedom and grace. During those six weeks, you'll get one-on-one support, video and book resources, recipes, and fun tools to help change the dynamics of mealtime in your home. Go to the link in our show notes to schedule your discovery call today. It's free, and you get a chance to talk with me, Heather, the dietitian. I'll answer all the questions you might have about this program, and we can see if family feeding coaching would be a good fit for your family. Are you worried about your child being underweight? Has your child's pediatrician recommended that they take a nutritional shake to help boost their growth? Go check out Healthy Heights Nutritional Shakes. We love their products. It has much lower sugar than the competitors and has a great nutritional profile. For more information, check out our show notes for links on how you can shop their products. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Doctor and the Dietitian podcast. Check out our episode notes for more information about items we discussed in this episode. Also, remember to subscribe, comment, and share our podcast with your friends and family. For more information about our available services and to join our community, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Doctor and the Dietitian. And check out our website at The Doctor and the Dietitian. While we continually make an effort to share with you correct and the most up-to-date information, we admit that we're still learning, and probably will always be learning. We double-check all of our facts, but realize that nutrition and medicine are constantly changing art and science. Other dietitians and physicians may have a different way of doing things. We're simply presenting our views on these topics in order to help you. By listening to this podcast, accessing our social media, reviewing our website and products, We are not establishing a patient-doctor relationship or a client-dietitian relationship, and therefore we are not specifically diagnosing or treating any conditions specifically with you in mind. We do recommend that you consult with your own physician, your child's pediatrician, and or a dietitian for your specific individual needs. This disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to our podcast, social media, website, or products, and our opinions do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers.